Good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, October 2nd. Um, if you are listening to us live, remember we do also have a YouTube channel as well when we broadcast the podcast live as well. You do want to go over there and watch the YouTube channel because we do show off some items from our collection. Um, so go on there, watch us live on YouTube, hit the little bell, let us know you're there so we can uh, shout out to you, see any comments you have. And as always, guys, please, um, not just for the podcast, but for the YouTube channel, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you very much. Yep, we'd appreciate it. I'm your host, Randall. I've got my partners in crime over here. Tommy. And Madman Hi. working the boards. Um, Hi. I said your mic's not hot. And then Enos, I believe, is on his way. All right, so how was everybody's weekend? That's pretty good. Pretty good. Madman's doing a quick adjusting of the cameras and whatnot in the studio. Sweet. Okay, so <laughs> that's one of those magical things that displays stuff on TVs, right? You're also known as a camera. Going to hit you. All right, so let's get right into the news. Um, before I start getting to mine, Tommy, what do you have? I think you got a couple of news items there, don't you? Well, it looks like that uh, Sony and, and uh, Disney have made up, at least for the time being. Right. But now, so what I was saying earlier when you and I were talking about this, uh, it looks like it's a one picture deal. One picture deal. I thought it was two. I maybe I must have been mistaken. But, you know, at least for one picture, they've made up. Right. Well, now here's here's the killer. Um, the picture's not due to July of 2021. OK. So I guess a lot can happen between now and then, not to mention also that picture being killed between now and then. It could. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I actually and I think that got announced last week, actually. It did. Um, I, I think it was I, like, I think Thursday, it was like Friday. Thursday, like the day after our show, right. if I'm not mistaken. It ain't that always the way. It is. That's the biggest. News I moved the show from Thursday. Monday to Wednesday so we could get new news items because they were coming out after the fact. And now they're releasing they're coming stuff on Thursday further. and Friday. We're going to start doing this, doing this uh, Every day, so. Well, you knew this was going to, something was going to happen. Hello, Enos. Welcome was, to the show. There was just way too much money to be made on a partnership to Oh, absolutely. Through, so. um, is that your show and tell book for the week? You want to hand that to me? No problem. Or as they say in New York, gives it to me. Yeah, All right. Good evening, folks. Welcome, Enos. We appreciate it. Uh, my apologies. I so, got my hair stylized to I be see, more like I you. So. so in other news, first thing I, I want to address right off the bat here is we would like to send our condolences out to the family of Tom Lyle, who is unfortunately he's in a coma after having suffered a brain aneurysm, mm. I believe, over the weekend. For those of you who don't know, Tom Lyle um, basically was co-creator of Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Spoiler, oh. a.k.a. Batgirl. He was an artist on the Robin miniseries with Chuck Dixon, as well as Robin 2 and Robin 3. Um, he was artist on Spider-Man for part of the Maximum Carnage and the Clone Saga runs, as well as Punisher, Comet, Starman, and a whole bunch of others. I so, have to say, I'm um, Stephanie Brown, big, huge fan of Stephanie Brown. I really loved Stephanie Brown. A spoiler: I really loved when they made her Batgirl. And, I did too. And doing I, the Batgirl series. I, yeah, I think I think I liked her as well as I do Barbara Gordon. And then they turned around and did the whole Flashpoint thing and just yanked the carpet out from underneath on that one. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Barbara. I'm glad she's back as Batgirl. But Stephanie was great. Well, and in that series, too, Barbara as Oracle was basically guiding her along. I think at first she doesn't realize she's doing it, and then she catches her and says, like, you know, we need to talk. If you're going to do this, you need to make sure you're doing this right. You know, exactly. In, in a lot of ways, Oracle was kind of the backbone of DC of the DC universe at the time with everything that she was doing with the, with you know being the guiding light with the Absolutely. computer and everything like that. You know, a lot there was a lot to be said to keeping to keeping her in that position. She was a very very important hero. Right. I mean, I understand why they did what they did and gave her, her her ability to walk back and everything. I understand. But I mean, at the same time, you know, I think you know, some people kind of underestimate how important Oracle was to the DC universe well, as a whole. Especially as a handicapped character. Right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. And she did. Ev um, I guess what I'm trying to say is you enable to see Barbara evolve in spite of her handicap to be one of the key characters during the DC in the DC universe during the mid to late nineties into the two oh, thousands. Yeah. Right. No because, doubt. No doubt. And that's two things too. Um, number one, while she was in a wheelchair, they did show that a wheelchair doesn't make you helpless. And they actually showed her being able to defend herself. Um, mm -hmm. Exactly. Quite yeah. adequately in a wheelchair. Yes, absolutely. And number two, um, like Enos just pointed out, they evolved her from being just um, the Batman family informant to everybody. There's there are issues where people like I'll see what Oracle has J online. JLA, yeah, yeah, JLA, yeah, or no Superman doubt. She, or was, what she was extremely important. So and in that role, so I, I kind of miss her in it. I, 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 I am I am one of the few who was actually ticked when they let Barbara Gordon walk again because like no, she's so much better as Oracle. Uh, yeah, she was, and, and I was about to say the exact same thing was that not it was not that I didn't want to see Barbara back. 
you know, on in full form as Batgirl, but it just seemed like Oracle, Barbara being Oracle was a much better character. It, it, it took a step back yeah. is what they did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, by the way, um, Tommy, since you brought that up, um, one of the news items I read was that, um, I guess, with Batgirl number 39, they mm-hmm. burned Burnside to the ground. Um, which you've been reading Batgirl, she, um, I guess, back with Rebirth, or maybe even at the end of New 52, she left Gotham and went to Burnside. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Oracle just set her on fire. Yeah. But in reading it, I found out, because you were asking me, when did Oracle become an enemy? And I got my answer. Uh, okay. In that. So apparently, Lex Luthor corrupts her in the year of the villain storylines. Okay, okay. Because Oracle, um, the entity... Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that, but I didn't... Basically, it's a uh, abandoned child syndrome. Oracle yeah, feels I, that you know yeah, Barbara I saw, left I mean, her. I, I, I saw, you know, I, saw, I, I got that. I got that. You know, Lex Luthor did that and made her that. But I didn't realize that there was an Oracle robot. I had no idea. That that was news to me. Well, that might up. be something new because yeah, Oracle has always just been you know the whole computer entity. Yeah. Right. So also, so and I put this one out there. A couple of things that I read, I went ahead and just dropped on our um, Lost and Longbox Facebook. New Birds of Prey trailer dropped. Well, I guess I should say the first Birds of Prey trailer dropped. Um, I don't know about this movie. Uh, it seemed a little too Harley Quinn centric. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. I haven't seen it, but that's what I I've heard. was left with. Like what? My problem is I think Margot Robbie is forcing it a little too much right. with the Harley voice. Right, and um, and you know it's kind of funny you said that because I watched uh, Birds of Prey last night. Not Birds of Prey. I'm sorry, Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad last night. It's amazing how many times you watch a movie and how much you miss in the times you watched it before. Like for example, I didn't realize that they put John Ostrander's name on the building. Yes, <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't notice that until last night. But most importantly, I loved how. Margot Robbie portrayed Harley Quinn. She didn't. She didn't try as hard as she as right. you could tell as she did in the Birds of the Prey trailer and Birds of the Prey. Jeez Louise, Birds of Prey trailer. And um, I'm, I'm willing to give this. I want to see more. Right. And because it's- usually whenever I see a trailer. Usually it gives me everything that I want to see and I'm satisfied with it. But lately, a lot of these movies that have been coming out have just like, with the exception of Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man Far, Far From, from home. home, they left me with Give Me More. That and Shazam didn't, uh, that and Shazam say, Don't talk bad. was the yeah, one that, that I was like, was okay, I want to see this. Right. Shazam was amazing. Well, so. and oh. you know. It is the first trailer, and the movie's not coming out till 2020, like right. February. Yeah. So it's very possible we might see more of the other characters in it. But I hope so. It felt, well, it I, felt I, too I much like it's Black a Harley Canary. story. And especially since the name, the actual full title of the movie is The Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. It seemed you, it's like, okay, yeah. It sounds like they probably should have just called it Harley Quinn. Right. They should have. should have just went on and just did that. Uh, yeah, because I need me some Black Canary. Right, well, you so know who's I. playing her, right? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Journey Smollett Bell okay. is playing her. Juicy Smollett's sister. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's funny, again? too. Journey Smollett. I mean, Journey Smollett Bell. The other, uh, the other thing that girl uh, on Full House. I dropped today on, so on our Facebook page because that trailer reminded me of it. And, and I, I just love watching this cartoon clip. Maybe someday I'll go back and actually watch the episode. The whole thing from Batman Brave and the Bold with Catwoman, Black Canary, and Hunter singing Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tommy, if you haven't seen it, it's on our Facebook page. You got right, go to go watch it. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> also on our Facebook page as well, and, and I will admit that I just giggled like a schoolgirl when I saw this. We got the first look at Brendan Routh as a Kingdom Come Superman. Oh, man, I was no good. Also standing beside um, Tyler Hoechlin as his Superman. Uh, and it was behind the scenes photo, but it was such a great picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the season premiere of Supergirl is a Sunday, which mm-hmm. means all the other CW shows will be coming right behind it, and then we'll be getting Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, I'm really hoping that they're going to combine all those shows onto one Earth at the end of it. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to – I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, the wild card is going to be Arrow since that show is ending. That's going yeah. to be interesting to see where things go from well, there since everything was spawned from that from that show. I think I remember reading that when we get the new season of Arrow or, or either at the end of the new season of Arrow, he's in the future. 
so that he ties in heavily to the crisis, but he's not in present day. Ah, okay. So, and I guess they're replacing his show with Batwoman. Yes. Mm. I, I really want that show to do good, but I just have a, a bad feeling it's not going to. Uh, yeah. You don't say. I yeah. do say. Yeah. Why? Why do you think it's not going to do well? I well, hate to say it, but I don't think the majority of the populace that will be watching that, namely males, will get behind a lesbian character. Well, and I think too. I think I think the studio doesn't feel it's going to be doing very well either because they've because like we talked on an earlier episode, CW is already look, looking for additional DC properties to make into TV shows. And I, I think if they felt that this was going to be a real hit, if they that's not a probably, sign, I don't know what is. Right, they probably wouldn't be doing. Well, it. remember they've got Matt Ryan and Constantine over there now too. There's no reason they can't bring Constantine oh, back. I'd love for them to do that. Let's no, do that. But but one hundred percent, I have got a feeling that gentlemen that we're going and and uh, watchers and fans that we're going to see a Superman series because Superman is playing very heavily into this crisis on infinite earths. I don't think they can. I, I, they yeah, probably I can't. I, I think he's locked up at WB for future Justice yeah. League movies and still a Man of Steel sequel. I would love to see that, but but I have to agree with you uh, on that I, one, Randy. I, 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 think, I have completely I think they're allowed that. to use him in Supergirl, but I don't think they can straight up get a Superman series. Right. CW, if things don't and, work and out and with speaking Batwoman, of Supergirl, do you know? Did you know that the, um, Melissa Benoist and the guy that played Monel got married? Really? I mean, good. <laughs> I didn't even know they were dating in yeah, real life. Look, nobody knew. It was just like, I was like scrolling them. and I was like, wait a minute. Why does this dude look? I said, I'll be damned. Supergirl and Monel got married, literally. That show hasn't really been the same. Since I, he, I love since me some Melissa Benoist. I'm just oh, going to yeah. put that out there. I bet right. you do. So anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, New York Comic Con. See, look, I'm all flustered. New York Comic Con is this oh. weekend. And there's rumors that Joe Casada might be unveiling a new Marvel logo. He apparently hinted on Twitter that he's been doing some type of design project for it. And part of it looks like it is a new Marvel logo. Uh, I'm thinking maybe it's for the Marvel project. I bet it's going to be tied to incoming. Mm -hmm. Who wants to lay money down that's going to be tied to incoming? Oh, almost sure. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. Let's hope we do a better job on that than one more than his editorial uh, run on one more days with (laughs) Spider-Man. Sounds like there's a little bitterness there. Just, no, just, the, the, just a tad. Um, so also, um, you know, the movie Joker opens tomorrow, mm-hmm. which, by the way, guys, um, all the Lost and Longbox crew will be seeing that. Um, and I have to give some kudos to a news article for Alamo Draft House Cinema in Omaha. Oh, yeah. For the post that they put yeah, up I saw that, that. that straight up says this is a rated R movie. Do not be bringing your kids to this. And it even says it's going to have, you know, language. I think it even said sexual suggestions. Mm-hmm. Your, your nine-year-old is not going to like it. In parentheses, it said Batman's not in it, in it anyway. Right. Um, and I really wish other studios would do that because I'm still remembering the backlash from Deadpool. Oh, my God. And, and all the parents like, well, that movie was disgusting. I'm like, it had a big R on the poster, you know. Dummy. How right. did you not see that? The, well, the reason that exists is so you can take some accountability. It, that's right. <laughs> What's that, Madman? Accountability. It's what people. <laughs> Holy accountability, Madman. Yeah. People used to have it, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, that's why they started putting these warnings on things like rated R, rated, rated PG thirteen, and so forth. It's because they expected people to say, "Hey, as an adult, and my child is under thirteen, maybe they shouldn't be going and seeing a PG thirteen movie." Wow. Well, you know, that's for Madman, we used to say in the like Air to Force, that's too much like right. You know, it's funny you said that. I, I had a friend who was in the Navy. And he came back. I, I think he'd gotten out or maybe he was on leave and he was home and we were driving around. We went by one of the movie theaters and he saw the rating on one was PG-13. And he went, PG-13? What the hell is that? <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's right. You were gone. Because, <laughs> you know, you don't get any news when you're out there at sea or what have you. So. You know what? You know what, Randy? I think that madman is drinking haterade because he doesn't want the public to come and see me. He might be drinking <laughs> a little haterade, except the problem is it won't be the Mark Hamill Joker. Uh, no. So, anywho, um, this is uh, both congratulatory to Todd McFarlane and Spawn, and at the same time, a little bit uh. sticks me in the gut. So, with the release of Spawn 301 next week, um, the series will officially become the longest running um, creator owned comic book in history. Wow. Yep, it would be. Uh- Beat out Cerebus, which was 300 issues. Right. It's 301. So I, I think it's kind of fudging because hasn't Todd McFarlane like farmed that out to other writers? Yeah. I don't think he's writing it anymore. Yeah. So, But I mean, it's still creator owned. 
That that is true. And yo, know, I think I think it's funny with this too because I can remember buying Spawn One off the newsstand, and it was now up to three hundred one. That's pretty impressive. I remember. Buying I haven't bought it. Yeah. I haven't bought it in years. Yep. But yep. I I still remember buying number one off the newsstand, and now it's you know three hundred issues. Dude. Later. Well, remember that was one of the flagship titles when Image launched. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And and thinking and back to that of all the titles that launched when Image came out, aren't there only two left? Yeah, Savage, Savage, Savage Dragon, Dragon and, Spawn. and Spawn. Yeah, because the rest of them have since ended and been rebooted and stuff like that. Artists got the only one that's ongoing. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think you know the Max or Pit or oh, Young Blood yeah. or anything like that. Cyberhawk or any of those are still yeah, around. Uh, still around. I think that's good. A good thing though. Right. <laughs> I, I do miss Wildcats though. I wasn't a fan of them. Well, well, well remember, um, Jim Lee brought Wildcats to DC. Yeah. Yeah, he's so done some of that with DC. In fact, I think Grifter from Wildcats was on the new Red Hood and the Outlaw series. Right, when and they, Zealot wound up becoming Zealot and Voodoo wound up becoming part of the DC universe. Right. Which and and I hate to say it, but the Voodoo series that came with New Fifty Two was not a bad series. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only person who read it <laughs> because mm. of the, you know, I think it only went like fourteen issues, but it was pretty good. So hey, new releases. Um, and you'll like this one. I didn't pick you up one, but our our buddy down at Gateway might still have it. Batman two fifty one. He already put edition. it aside for me. Nice. Oh, oh, oh. For you guys who don't know that Batman two fifty one facsimile edition is uh, Enos's favorite Joker story, and that'll be our subject for tonight, the Joker. Um, since you know the movies come tomorrow, and Dollar Comics Joker number one. Uh, now my only problem with this is it is a reprint of Joker number one, uh-huh. um, which that series only ran like ten issues, and they're they're pretty pricey every time you find them so they reprinted joker number one but they put a new cover on it oh uh, yeah that's weak so i'm kind of like weak. you know why did you guys do that I, you should have left the original cover um from dynamite black terror number one came out um they also did uh death Defying devil i guess a couple weeks ago right um which if you guys actually don't know that black terror and both uh death Defying devil were some golden age heroes before marvel got into the game um, so they were really good. And they're part of public domain now. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They are. So that's, that's why Dynamite is doing all In fact, Dynamite also did the Project Superpowers a few years ago where they brought all those Golden Age characters and did those uh, stories with them, which is really I great. Check, I need to check that out. That sounds like that a great That Mass miniseries is good, too. Yes. Actually, um, Tommy, make sure you text me. I have both Project Superpowers and S2. I'll let you borrow them. Oh, sounds good. Uh, another one that came out, and I have to mention this because – I actually kind of like this series, and I may have to go back and pick it up now. So, and you guys are going to laugh. Vengeance of Vampirilla number one. And the reason I bring it up is because back in the day, Harris Comics had this story, this comic, Vengeance of Vampirilla number one. Um, and it was another series. But this is actually the original writer, Tom Signoski, is actually picking it up 25 years from when the original series left off. Okay. So I think that's actually be pretty cool. They're doing that because, as you may or may not know, this is Vampirilla's 50th anniversary. Which is why you're now seeing all the Vampirilla stuff coming out from Dynamite. In fact, I'm actually reading a new series. Tommy just brought me Vampirilla number three that we picked up from Troy in Flashback. Mm-hmm. Over on the Marvel side, Bizarre Adventures number one. Remember with their 80th anniversary, they re-released some of their stuff earlier this year, like Strange Tales and uh, Love Romance or My Love or whatever the hell it was. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sorry. I, and, and I hate to say this, but I, I picked up both of those one-shots too. So Bizarre Adventures follows that same vein. They're re-releasing uh, some of their you know, classic titles with new stories. They should have released their Bizarre um, Adventures number 27, the X-Men Adventure. Right. That's uh, what they should have done. But also out for Marvel this week, Contagion number one. Uh, ripping off the DC zombie storyline. That's basically what it is, it looks like. Ghost Rider number one, new Ghost Rider series came out just in time for the canceled Hulu series. So lost your there tie you in there. Uh, Marvel Comics 1001, continuing that horrible story from Marvel Comics 1000. <laughs> I'm serious. Did you guys read that? No, nah, but Kevin previewed it, it last night on uh, the, the top five of right. Flashback. Or did he like it? I didn't get to watch it all. Um, I got a little tail in, but the, there was a mess, messed up with the feed or what have you. He was just like, he gave it. He said well, the one story. He said, yeah, there's a few ones, you know, one page, one page stories in here. But he talked about one that he really liked, but he really didn't say, you know, or, uh, on it. So yeah, I didn't even bother. It was just a little too gimmicky for my, my taste. Right, and yeah, and I, I, I just... took a look at one thousand one, and it's more of the same. They're all like one page um, stories that's supposed to have a cohesive thread to it. Right, and yeah. I'm like, this is just not working for me. Yeah, it's just too gimmicky for me. 
Uh, but Spider-Verse number one also came out as well. Um, they are touching back to all the different Spider-Man characters. I'm assuming that's going to go into probably the death of Peter Parker when uh, Incoming drops. Because the timing of this is a five-issue series. And I think Tommy's right. I, I think Incoming, Peter Parker is going to bite the dust. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have nothing official on it. It's just my gut. Feeling. It's just your gut. It's you just might my be gut right. Feeling. But I got some big news. That, you do. That, that, that's gonna that's gonna zap some of y'all. Um, Lay it on us. During my um scrolling yesterday, I found out there's about to be a major shakeup within the Batman mythology, especially when it comes to Dick Grayson. Uh this December, Dick Grayson is gonna be the new talent. What? Yes, sir. He's going to become the. He's going to follow. His grandfather was actually with the Court of Owls. And so Dick Grayson is going to follow in tradition, according to this. It says fans may not know the, what the story, what story was originally planned for Nightwing post brain injury before Benjamin Percy's run was cut short. But what they got was Rick Grayson, a taxi driver who, despite pushing away the Batman family's friendship and mission, decided to become a vigilante again anyway. After a new team of Nightwings began to patrol Bloodhaven using his equipment, Rick joined up with them to fight the good fight. This That time is over, according to John Boy Myers' covers for Nightwing 66 out November 20th, showing Dick Grayson in uniform as DC's next talent. Well, that's just going to blow. Yeah, and looks pretty cool, but... I got a feeling there's going to be because won't an, that pit him directly against Batman? Yes, and I really <laughs> and I really think this is something. I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be a covert operation by Batman himself to have his top lieutenant infiltrate and destroy so, the uh, the Court of Owls from within. So now I'm trying to figure out how this is actually going to tie to Batman, because Tom King's run ends with issue 85, and that's all City of Bane. So how do you now work Dick Grayson as talent into the Batman stories? It's going to have to take place in Detective. That's that's, that's what from Night um, Nightwing and uh, says Nightwing Nightwing sixty six and sixty seven. I going mean, to... obviously you're not going to focus on Nightwing and those, but you right. you can't just ignore oh, in yeah. the Batman oh, yeah. books you, that oh it's, uh, it's um the guy the new creative team there's something they told us a new creative team but there was something they won't telling us in regard to what they were going to do so i have a feeling this is going to be some good good stuff coming up but i but but i've got my my gut with this just like tommy's on the spider-man deal i think this all, all of this from the shooting all up until up until this is all part of Batman's elaborate plan for to take out the Court of Owls from within with the use of his top lieutenant. See, that would suck, though, because I kind of like the Court of Owls. I like the Court of Owls, too. I think they're good. I like seeing... I, I would like to see what I would like to see, and what could very well happen, is that um, Dick Grayson takes the uh, Court of Owls in a, as a new talent in a whole new direction. Yeah, but see, that would still kind of kill it for him because I think they're the perfect antagonist of Batman because they're organized like him. They work in the in the dark. They're pulling strings that no one knows about. Right. I, I like the juxtaposition between him and Bat between Batman and them. Right. He's so, not just another smash and grab like Penguin or Two Face, or whatever. Right. So that's I, I'm sorry I, to me. I think that's destroying a, a great villain. Yeah. A great organization. Ooh. Oh man, you really want to. Amp that up for me. Tie them into Leviathan. Get smart and make Court of Vows have a direct tie to Leviathan. There you go. That could work. Now, that would be. <laughs> All right. Let me get started on the script and I'll have it out Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so that's. You guys got any more news items? No, I, th I think you, you covered it. Did I cover the ones that we cared about? Mm -hmm. Of course, there's tons more news items. We actually just hit on the ones that made us go, huh. Um, so before we get to show and tell, Madman, pay our bills. Sure. Well, go ahead. Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Flashback Comics. Flashback Comics is located out of Woodbridge, Virginia, and they have tons of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, and statues. They're located at 3112 PS Business Drive, just off of Smoketown Road. And their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And on Sundays, they're open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
Be sure to tell Troy that Lost in Longbox sent you. Yes, indeed. Awesome sauce. Thank you. Well, um, give me one second. One second. 1001. 1002. <laughs> 1003. We're experiencing some technological differences. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> as he's uh, gone for the moment, we're going to start doing our show and tell. Um, Enos, I'm assuming that you brought this because of the recent news and, and the recent you know picture this man. of, uh, huh? Uh, because of the recent news and the show of um, Brendan Roth and Tyler Hoechlin together yes, as, as our Supermans. So, what number is it? Justice Society number thirteen, where we get. Um, then that is the Kingdom Come Superman. That's not the Earth Two Superman. Right. Notice Kingdom the black Man. S. Right. And I guess that's the Earth One Superman there, right? right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now, for those of you who don't remember, shortly after the Kingdom Come series, um, they started working in this Kingdom Come Superman wherever they could, um, trying to basically tell us as a reader that while that future apparently doesn't take place, there are still a lot of aspects of it that are bleeding through into this time frame. So, what was the storyline with this one? I didn't read this series. Uh, the storyline was where um, the Kingdom Come Superman actually came to this air, actually came to this um, continuity or, or this or this realm or what have you, and he and Superman meet up. Okay, gotcha. I I really loved in Kingdom Come also yeah. when everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Yep. And Batman steps up the new Gulag and he tells Diana, you know, Wonder Woman, I need Clark for this. You know, they'll listen to Clark. And she, she finds him out in Kansas being a farmer, and everything looks happy. You know, he's got the farm out there. He's got all his fields growing. And uh, he goes, things are fine here, Diane. And he goes, you know, things grow. And she goes, does it really? And you see her reach out and touch the illusionary wall, and it drops. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, that's a really good book. Yeah, it is. I, I'm, I still am taken aback by the fact that when, you, when she arrives to the farm, Clark, has he just got that tractor? tractor. He I'll never tra- forget yeah. that as long as I live. That was that was like one of the coolest pieces by Alex Ross oh, ever, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Well, not to mention too when you find out that Billy Botts is now a grown man. Yeah, and you see him in Luther's boardroom and like I know who that guy is. He doesn't have to say the words yet, and I exactly. already know who that is. All right, so Tommy brought a great one in here too. Um, I actually had this book a long time ago in my collection, and it's one of the ones that I had to let go for finance reasons. Um, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number one. Yeah, this is a recent addition to my collection. I got this um, just two weeks ago. My wife uh, purchased this for me. Pretty good uh, condition. Yeah, yeah very it nice, is. Very nice book. Um, the main reason I wanted this book is because I will never own The Amazing Spider-Man number one. It's never going to happen. It's out of my price range. <laughs> but this isn't. Right. This so. is one of these books that, I'll be honest, I bought simply because of the cover. Yeah, it's a oh, pretty, yeah. Cover. It's it's a pretty cover, cover, too. Yeah. And like I said, the main reason I wanted it is because I can buy this one. I can't right. buy Amazing Spider-Man. I really love the detail of Tarantula Spike breaking yeah, into the wall yeah. there. Right. I mean, that's such a... It's a pretty good story. It shows how dangerous he is. Yep. Yeah. Pretty who who did the art, the cover art of this? John Ramita Sr., yeah. it looks like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It looks like Ramita. And you know what was really great about this whole series, too, is um, this was one where you could jump on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, right. didn't, you didn't have to go back. Now, I, I think I actually got into the series around issue 38, but back then, 38, that was a low number, and it was easy to go back and get the back kisses, especially oh, yeah. this one, because it was not a high-priced item for a long time. Well, it's still not a high-priced right. you know, book. I mean, it, I mean, it's a nice book, and it's a, it's a beautiful book, and I'm happy to have it in my collection, but it's, you know. And there were so many great stories. This was the, this was the comic, actually, that brought us uh, Deb Whitman. Remember Deb Whitman? Yep. I actually, I really loved that character, and I hated what they ended up doing to her down the road. All right. And then, of course, Madman. Um uh, Going back to the Silver Age. Can I just mention, what, what, I'm really what, starting what, what to hate you. Um, so Madman has brought in Justice League of America number 77. Right. That is a pretty book. We're going to have to... And it's funny, I just got in a bunch of my Mylites um, and Mylars because I uh, bought some books at the last convention I went to and didn't have uh, bags and boards to replace them. So I've been rereading um, some of the Silver Age Justice League that I just picked up. I think I brought them in and showed them here. After uh, the convention, when I picked them up, is that so, Snapper Car? Uh, it's uh, Simon Car, I think. Simon Car. Simon yeah, Car. I think so. Who's Simon Car? Snapper Car's brother? Oh, uh, uncle or something like that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Now I, it's not like I've ever read these books, <laughs> right? Well, because this falls into the same time frame where Snapper does betray them. 
Right. So yeah. that that might be right in that that era there. That's but, a pretty good lineup that, for the Justice League too. Well, I yeah. just I love any of the, any of the comic books that had the little faces on the lineup and stuff. Oh, like that was always cool. Oh yeah, those were great. This is one of the reasons why I like this too, because you see they got everybody mm-hmm. here. Right. I well, really they used like to it. let me see that again. They used to do that also the whenever Justice they would whenever they would do the crossovers, and you would open it up, and there'd be the, the Justice the League on one call. side and the jail. Yep, like, absolutely. Call. That was always the coolest thing about the Justice League. You always get the roll call, right? Say hi to our fan, James. Hi, James. Hi, James. James. Hey, James. What's that's, going on? That's James H. I know him. He, he told me he was going to be. He told me he was going to be listening live. And that's a great cover by uh, Murphy Anderson, who went on to ink some of the ink Kurt Swan's artwork and some of the best Superman issues on uh, stories during the seventies. Yep. That was written by Elliot S. Magan. Oh, Elliot S. Magan. There's a name. <laughs> oh wow, glad I did. All right, and the one that I brought in. Um, I think I have actually shown this before. Um, like I was telling Tommy, I'm going to have to go back and relook at, at some of the episodes. But I brought this in because it ties into tonight's subject. And this is Detective 475. It's a graded 9.0 with the Joker oh, wow. Laughing Fish. This is actually one of the iconic covers. Yes, it is. Um, so, And I got this. It's funny. I didn't pay anything for this book. It was yes. given to me. Oh, oh, lucky rascal. I, Such good condition. I had a, a friend who used to work at a mall across the hall from me. And um, the tragedy of this is her and her husband were going through a divorce and she found a box of comics and she gave them to me. And it was this run of detective. So this was in there and like all the ones before and like like 10 behind it. Oh, lucky dog. So right? I, I actually will bring them in and show them to you. Um, and it was a whole was run of detectives and a run of Batmans. And I looked them all up. And back then they were like $20, $30 a book. Mm. So I went back and I, I gave her the stack. And I said, you know, Michelle, I can't take these. I said, I'm going to let you yeah. know, these are really nice books. They're, they're kind of uh, collectible. I says, and these are easily 20 to 30. It says, you can take them to a store and probably sell these books, right? Right. And she goes, you know what, Randy? It says, I don't care. You can have them. So I immediately, and I knew this was a hot book because the Joker Laughing Fish, and I sent oh, yeah. that off and got that 9.0 on it. And ladies and gentlemen, the art on that cover is done by the late great Marshall Rogers. Yes, I say this is Marshall Rogers, and I do believe that was one of the prom premier <laughs> stories during his and Steve Englehart's run on detectives. And Steve Englehart's run in Batman will be collected in a hardcover edition that will be available January first, twenty twenty. Yes. So that's a great one. All right. So tonight's subject. What is tonight's subject, guys? The Joker. Joker. That's right. Uh, the James Joker movie. Randy won. Randy won. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Joker movie is coming out tomorrow. So obviously we'll be going to see it and then doing our review next week. But tonight we're going to talk about the actual history of the Joker. Um, so I'm going to start us off. Say hi to Tom, too. He's hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. What's going on? Is that Tom M.? Yeah. How you doing, Tom? Uh, so the Joker actually debuted, of all places, in Batman number one, not in the Detective Comics, yep. which I think ran a full year before Batman started off, right? Maybe two yeah, years. Yeah, I think it was a year. Yep. I believe it was a year. Um, so here's what's funny. Um, he was created, obviously, by uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger and uh, Jerry, Robinson. Jerry Robinson. But there's some um, disparity as to who actually created him. They're saying that Robinson created him and that obviously finger and Kane did their thing again, where they kind of fudged over the actual creation of it. Um, but what's interesting, and this just boggles the mind when you think about it, Joker was only supposed to show up in that issue. He was supposed to die at the end of issue one. Um, but the editor at the time, Whitney Ellsworth saw the potential, potential. of that character and said, okay, no, you, you need to keep the Joker alive. So the last panel was actually drawn afterwards and kind of like shoehorned in. Um, and that's how they kept him alive because they were obviously going to kill him. And he's like, no, 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 this guy's going to be a great, um, villain to Batman. We need to keep him around. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's just as important that an editor makes that kind of decision. Right. Yeah. That's good character creation. In. Yeah. And in fact, he believed in the character so much. He was in nine of the first 12 issues. Yeah. He was around a lot. Yeah. So, but, uh, and it's funny because he's a criminal mastermind. He's actually a psychopath with like a warped sense of humor in the, in the book when he first appears, which is going to be a huge change to what happens with him later, which we'll get to. But Tommy, I'm going to kick this over to you. Why don't you tell them where the inspiration for this character came from? The inspiration for the character came from a 1928 movie called The Man Who Laughs, uh, which is based off the book by Victor Hugo of the same name. Um, Basically, the, it, it's a movie that takes place um, back during the 1600s, 
the main char- the character that's based on is a character called Gwynplaine. He's disfigured by the king when his father produces a transgression and he goes off on a traveling carnival. Gwynplaine is not a villain, but if you look at his face, you know, you can definitely tell that, you know, this is where the inspiration came from. Um, I saw this movie once years ago when I found out that, you know, this was the inspiration for the Joker. We were able to get it off a disc on Netflix. I would definitely recommend if you're a Batman fan or a Joker fan, checking it out just to, you know, to see where the, where the character came from. Um, it was recently released on Blu-ray here in June. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. June. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was released on Blu-ray here on, um, let's see, it was June, June 4th of this year. And the actor is Conrad. Uh, Conrad Beck was the, Beck? Was, was, okay. the uh, was the actor that played, played Gwynplaine. Um, you know, of course, everybody that was in this movie is now long gone. Right. So, but, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great movie. I, I I actually was surprised how much I was able to enjoy a silent film. I, was uh, I think I am going to put that on my Netflix. Um, and it's funny, guys. It, we're not kidding. If you look it up on Google, that is straight up Joker. Yeah, it's yep. straight up Joker. I mean, it, it's yeah, very no ifs and buts about clear it. that this is where they got the look from. There's just no disputing it. Right. Even though I think. Um, Kane or Finger later disputes that. Oh no, that's not where I got it from. It's like, look no, at the you picture. Did. No, yeah. you did. Look at look yeah, at the yeah, Joker yeah. card you drew. Well, that's exactly well, where you took it from. Some things that I did watch, um, especially a lot of this stuff came out was brought to light during the first Batman motion picture and on the 2020 um, episode where they were talking about the reemergence of Batmania. Bob Kane did state that he's watched the movie. And he described, talked about the movies about a guy named Gwynplaine who had his face carved into a ghoulish grin. And you saw um, some of it, Ray, you know, saw some excerpts from it. So, um, yeah, he did own up to That's where he got yeah, it. Yeah, he owned up to it then. But yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> For years. Well, he was... <laughs> but let's, let's just say Bob Kane has a very yeah, dubious reputation. It, right? And uh, have do do his yet diabolical reputation like some of the villains he created. Right. Know, yeah, he got, he, he got, got a little bit too much more credit than what he deserved. Yeah. But. Well, speaking of more credit than he deserves, jumping forward, 1951, Bill Fanger, the man who we've already said before is responsible for so much of the Batman history we know and a lot of the characters, actually wrote the origin story for the Joker in Detective Comics 168. And it introduces the whole Red Hood storyline that everybody knows now, where he gets dumped into Vat of Acid. Um, and that becomes, I don't want to say the go-to origin, but that's when a lot of people think of, I mean, that Tim Burton used it in the Batman movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, re- I mean, at least a part of it was reused again in The Killing Joke as well. Uh, right, absolutely. Yeah, so even all those years later. Which and I have that later on down the road, um, Killing Joke, when we get into like... Do people can see this? In the 80s, what? Think folks can see this? Uh, sure. Here we go. Conrad Veidt. That is. Uh, hold on. I pronounced it Vect, but you know Vet, I don't. Veidt. Vet. I don't know for sure. So, and since it was in a silent film, it, you know, it's no way to. Yeah. So yeah, it's just holding up a picture of Joker, basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's creepy too. And yeah, and you know, like that's I said the, in the movie, the, the, the character's not a villain by any stretch of the imagination. Right. He was just, you know, victim of circumstance. He was disfigured because of his father, you know? Absolutely. So Bill Finger writes that story. Now, here's where things start taking a, a downward spiral, spiral bleh, a downward spiral, spiral for Joker. Thank you. 1954, Comics Code Authority gets established because of Dr. Frederick Wortham's book. What was it, Tommy? Seduction of the Innocent. <laughs> right. And, and that's, a, that, that's a show right there. That has to be a show. Absolutely. That's so, the point. That has to be a show. For those of you who are not familiar with the book, um, Wortham basically had this theory that uh, mass media, particularly comic books, was responsible for juvenile delinquency and things as violence and homosexuality. And he used comic books as his argument. Um, and he would show what was called, you know, the, the bondage covers or the gore in uh police comics and horror, horror comics horror, horror and crime comics yeah. exactly and the superhero comics took a heavy hit um if you haven't ever seen it one of the most uh, famous comics out there that got profiled by Warden's book was phantom lady 17 because it mentioned two of the things that Warden said was contributing to the delinquency headlights and bondage of women which i'll let you figure out what headlights is if you 
can't get that. But I think most of our listeners probably. I think because of that, um, the Comics Code Authority got formed, which basically meant that every comic that got written had to go to the CCA, who then had to read it and tell the company if they could publish it or not. And they looked for all those things that one of them had pointed out. Well, because of that, Joker takes a hit, and now suddenly he becomes this goofy prankster and no longer the psychopath that he was originally portrayed as. Yeah, that's See, why you get these goofy people like the Riddler and stuff like that. Right. Just 100% nerf villain. Right. So everybody thinks that the Joker was always kind of a laughable character because, and jumping forward, the Batman TV series didn't help matters any. But that is not where it originated. It started because of Comic Code Authority and they had to keep the character around. And you got to admit, Cesar Romero was great as the Joker. Oh, yeah. And, and, and if anything... Mustachional. If- if oh yeah. Anything <laughs> his uh his portrayal of the Joker actually helped keep the character afloat because Well, and that's exactly what I was about to bring yeah, up. In the sixties yeah. because so in sixty four, yeah. Julia Schwartz takes over as editor of, of the Batman comics and he did not like the Joker character. Mm, yeah. And so for him it was basically get this character out of here. But Here's the funny thing. The the Batman books were not selling. They were no. they were failing at the time. No. The T V series pretty much saved it at that time. And they resurrected the Joker, but unfortunately, the one they resurrected was the one from the fifties when he got all you know goofy because goofy the CCA everything. had affected it. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony here is, is after the show got canceled, the Batman books still started slipping; they weren't selling. Um, now, what I didn't know looking into this, um, you know, who's pretty much responsible for bringing us the, and I don't mean our artist and the writer because you know that, and I'm going to pass the ball to you but the editor who said we need to bring joker back and get rid of this whole goofy prankster uh image danny o'neill uh, carmen infantino uh, uh, Car- oh, i'm sorry carmine infantino right which is now where i pass this off to you because carmen infantino said we need to make this character back to what he was and he does that in the 70s with what um with um batman number 251 um at that time um DC was looking for a way to revitalize Batman. And there was, and quite at that time, the Batman TV series, in the eyes of a lot of people, had outlived his usefulness, but at the same time, polarized the character into, like, this is what Batman is, and it wasn't. So, Denny O'Neill, so Carmine Infantino, who was the um, editor and also I think was acting as publisher as well for what was then known as National Periodical Publications or DC Comics, enlisted Denny O'Neill, the incomparable Neil Adams, and Dick Giordano. May he rest in peace. Dream team, though. Um, Absolutely. to bring Batman back to his roots. Now, though Batman 251, quote, was was the crown jewel in introducing us or reintroducing us to the Joker that we now know, that was not the story that introduced us to the Batman we now know. There was um, The Secret of the Waiting Graves. I can't remember what issue of Detective Comics that was where Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams teamed up. And I think Giordano worked on the, on the inks as well. This is what laid the groundwork for the Batman that we know now, the Dark Avenger, the Lone the uh, lone wolf, so to speak, um, vigilante, and also back to basics. And the pinnacle story, as I've mentioned, was Batman number 251, which is my favorite Batman story, the Joker's five-way revenge. The Joker was brought back and brought back big. With a bullet. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In this story, the Joker has broken out of Arkham Asylum, and when you read the captions, you already know he left a a trail of dead bodies. Right. And the panel, and I wish I had, I should have brought my hardcover with it so I didn't get the facsimile. The first page, a splash page, is just the Joker driving in the vehicle, laughing his rear end off, and you see ha, 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 all over the splash page. So you knew this, he meant business. And throughout the story, he stays one step ahead of Batman, which was something that none of the members of his rogues gallery did up until this story. And it's 
And it's kind of ironic that in the movie, The Dark Knight, which was the second film in the Nolan Batman trilogy, that they kind of followed that same pattern where Heath Ledger yeah. was ahead of Christian Bale oh God, the right. entire movie. I totally did not make a connection, but that's exactly what happened. And, 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 and it was just like, just when, just when you knew that Batman had him. He found a way out. And um and it, it's it's just is it's just a testament to the greatness of Neil Ad, of um the the writing of Neil of Daniel Very Neil. tight writing, and, very tight art. It's, yeah, yeah. And, and and the and the art that just sold that entire story. You know, it's funny. You mentioned uh the Dark Knight and the other day I was thinking about that that scene when uh, he had his henchmen go out and get Harvey Dent. And he goes to the jail and he's asked Joker where he's at. And he goes, where's Harvey Dent? And he's like, Harvey Dent? He's like, I've been right here. Uh, Who did you leave him with? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So Such now here's an excellent portrayal. That, I love yeah. that. So we're going to get into that in a moment too. So okay. here's what's kind of odd about this. So while that Batman story resurrects the Joker and makes him uh, such a lethal force again, the Batman book itself was still failing. Um, and it still didn't do well in sales until the 80s when everything went dark because we had Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then we started and we got the death of Supergirl and we got the death of Flash. Um, and then we got the um, Dark Knight Returns with Frank, with Frank Miller. Frank Miller. And that was DC's way of saying, okay, the audience are not kids. They want darker stories. They want a little more grit to it. So this is when we really see just how horrible a person the joker, the joker is, is yes. when we get first off the death in the story death the, of a family, family yes where joker murders batman's sidekick robin and now spoiler murder. alert for you guys who don't know we're not talking to dick grayson batman we're talking about the jason todd bat uh damn it reset jason todd jason, robin. jason todd robin dick grayson had already become nightwing and had moved on and and done his own thing the irony of it here is everybody hated the jason todd oh character. my god couldn't yes. stand him so inside instead of fixing the character they decided well let's go ahead and write a story where he dies and let the fans decide if he lives or not and you heartless bastard <laughs> <laughs> kill this kid <laughs> excuse me us heartless, us heartless. <laughs> our generation killed yeah, our generation. I wasn't part <laughs> of it because I wasn't allowed to to, to call the number to right, vote it's because it cost money. Right, right. Was a dollar fifty yeah, my, or ninety. Yeah, my, my parents yeah. said no. Yeah, yeah, my parents said no. They were not dollar fifty cent for the first minute. Right. 99 cent for each additional minute. And you could call in and keep re-voting, so it's not like it logged at once. You know, you could do it as much as you wanted yeah. to. Yeah, I would have dropped But do you want to know what led? Not not to get off here, but do you know what led to Tim Drake? Danny O'Neill was confronted. He went to a deli to get a tuna sandwich. Oh, that's right. And he, and he was confronted by a fan like, how could you kill off Robin? And he tried to explain to him, we didn't kill me. off Robin. Yeah, I didn't me. kill him. It wasn't me. You and, killed him. And, and, and I think he said that and taking Wonder Woman's powers away was one of the biggest mistakes, two, two of the biggest mistakes in his career, two of his biggest regrets right. in his career. He Danny O'Neill did that? You're huh? talking about Wonder the whole Woman? Wonder Woman oh, IQ wow. thing? Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, I hated White, that run. Yeah. yeah, that's a black eye for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and like when I found out he was behind it, I was like, no, man, really? Well, yeah. he's he's done numerous interviews where he said, boy, did I screw that yeah, up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> if, you know, if, you know if, Randy, the next if, time we go to Awesome Con, I think I might have to buy one of those powerless Wonder Woman comics and see if Denny O'Neill will sign it for me. Uh, no, I can do you better. Uh, years ago, I found one of those powerless ones, and I don't remember which one it was, but I bought it because it was like, it's a silver age. It's not staying in its bin because it was like an antique store downtown. Yeah. I had it graded and got like a 6.0 for it, and I turned around and flipped it and said, you know, while this is not a great era in Wonder Woman, if you're a Wonder Woman fan or collector, you want, this is a, you want this book, and yeah. I sold it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I have one somewhere. Yeah, it's go look for it. It was horrible. And, and that Asian guy p p p p um, figured prominently in the Superman storyline where he no longer was immune to, no longer was uh, susceptible to kryptonite. Oh, right. The whole uh, kryptonite nevermore storyline. Yep. Uh, so uh, that was actually, you know, we're going to have to touch on that on another show. That was when they tried to redefine Superman that right. lasted for like all of 12 issues and yeah. then they flipped it right back. But anyway, um, so. 
that is the first big Joker story that really establishes what a just, oh, what a mean, evil person he is. And then we follow that up with The Killing Joke. And, and again, by Alan Moore and Brian Boland. And if you have never read that, there's tons of reprints. Shame Go out and you. get yeah, it. Go yeah, it's find in like thir- 13th printing or something uh, like that. That is the ultimate Joker, Joker story. story. That's the penultimate Joker exactly. story. Exactly. You actually find out just how evil, and I mean Evil. evil he is in right. that no doubt and th- the best part is the joke at the end right i love that joke at the end yeah yeah well, we talked about that on on, on a, a previous show well what i love is how the way the book ends you don't know what just happened did he right did he you kill don't. joker yeah, you, did, and, and that's away? and, and they that's, leave and, it so open-ended yeah because alan moore kind of left us hanging on that one he right. was arrested as the sirens are coming you can yeah. see the reflections of the light in the water yeah, yeah i felt he was arrested i, I, yeah. I felt he was arrested too. And, and, and gordon didn't want him killed right by the book yeah well by the book you hear me by the book although that we have said, to show our way is right that said but i think if gordon had given batman permission oh yeah absolutely. To, to do it i think batman would have crossed but the line. now here's what's funny so that time that um Killing Joke is considered to be the best Batman Joker story ever. And they're right. But you know what that influences? That influences Batman the Animated the series. series. It also influences the Dark Knight uh, Batman Begins, the, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of influences the Batman movie originally with Tim Burton and Michael Keaton. Right. Um, because Batman Animated Series also has Joker as much more maniacal and more of the killer, you know, psychopathic mm-hmm. killer in it. But it also brings in Harley Quinn, um, who, lover, hater, the character is going to be around for a long time. But what do you see in the Batman anime series with Harley Quinn, as well as in Batman Adventures number 12 and the Batman Harley Quinn, um, is that he is still pretty much evil because... Everyone says it's a love relationship. No, it's not. It's an abusive relationship. Very abusive. Yeah. The the jo- to the to those of you out there, the Joker, Harley Quinn may love the Joker, but it's he does not, not love her. It's no, not he does return. not love it her. It is clearly at all. a dysfunctional relationship. Absolutely. Do not look at this relationship like this is the way right. relationships should work. It's not returned. She is just another pawn to him. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's all it is. I mean, there's straight up um, scenes where he's like throwing her out of a window and hasn't bothered to see if she's going to live or not. Yeah. 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 He does not care about her. Just much like he doesn't care about any of his henchmen. Right. Nope. But yeah, so that's it on Joker. Um, and then obviously that turns around and influences um, the great portrayal by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, which yeah. I'm sorry, you can give it up for Jack Nicholson. You can give it up for Cesar Romero. I'll, I'll pass it, on that. And even Mark Hamill. But I really like Heath Ledger's portrayal. Oh yeah, no. because it was because <laughs> I liked it because it was original. He was not trying to do. He wanted to put his own stamper, stamper, my stamper. God, stamper. his own stamp on the Joker, and that's exactly what he did. And it was just like you didn't know where he was coming from, especially when he talked about his scars. You go, you know how I got these, and the story scars. kept changing. And yes. it was like my father was a, was a drunk. And the fiend. I used to love how he, when he licked his lips. Yeah. Because as he, people with scars like that, they actually right. do that. Yes. Yeah. Because they're constantly wet. Well, remember, when he's talking, it's pulling and it's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> My so, favorite part was like when he breaks into the party and he has um, Rachel and he's got her hanging out the window. window. Batman goes, let her go. Poor choice of words. <laughs> yeah. And lets her go. <laughs> That oh. and the disappearing pencil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so excellent. I mean, <laughs> when I, when I heard that movie was coming out, I was like, they have to make they have to make the Joker funny, but make you terrified to laugh at. Right. Yeah. He, he has to be oh, he was terrifying. the old oh, man. He was terrifying. legend nailed it. It was like I loved it how when he walked in, you just heard you just heard him walk. Ha uh, ha. Uh, yeah. Ha uh, uh, ha. Uh, the ha, ha. the lead in yeah it's so important i mean in the comic books you know yeah you'd see the tons of the ha ha ha's and everything like that but the nuance of leading ha ha ha, ha, ha. yeah ha, almost ha. sarcastic i mean right. it adds a whole different dimension so i mean you got to ask yourself is like how is joaquin phoenix going to compare to heath ledger Ab- absolutely yeah. well in my understanding that's not going to tie in at all to the batman mythos although i can tell you in the previews they mentioned gotham 
because I saw a movie yesterday and we got a trailer for Gotham uh, for Joker. And my wife, who is not a comic book fan, does not see any comic book movies, even told me it looks interesting. Yeah, and it like, changed my mind. And like that's either good or bad. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see um, what happens. You know, but when they got the right guy for it, maybe. I mean, worst okay, case scenario, we go to the this movie. Week, we okay. go to the movie. We don't like it, and we get to you know spend a show bashing a movie, which is all fun in its own. Right. Oh, yeah. We thought we were going to bash Venom, and then we all walked out of there and realized we were humped because we liked it. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stunk. <laughs> I didn't go with y'all then, so I'm gonna. I'm, I'm looking forward to t- um, tomorrow and checking this out. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm because I'm willing to give Joaquin Phoenix a chance. If anybody can play this character, it's him. Yeah, he's a great actor. There's right. no doubt about that. I mean, so that's our uh, look at the Joker. A um, lot of great things come down to the future for him. I know that we're supposed to get that series still of the three Jokers. Because remember, we found out um, in Rebirth that when Batman sat in the um, Metron's chair, yeah. what is that thing called now? I can't remember. Oh, God, I know. Wow, right on the tip of my yeah. tongue. Yeah, and it's it, on the tip of mine, too. I know. Mobius chair. Mobius chair. Yep. Um, when he said in it, he asked, who was a Joker? The chair replied, which, which one? <laughs> and that just kind of blew my mind. And- right. One more thing I want to add about the Joker. What I like about this character is that the more that's revealed about him, the more he's continued to be shrouded in mystery. Right, exactly. Like every answer just brings up more questions. Right, exactly. exactly. And you know he's probably never telling the truth. So. Right, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's what makes him – because I, th- I th- a lot of the writers have put a lot of thought into this character. And I right. just think that that's excellent. Because they know he's like he's the number one Batman villain. Right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt. You That's know he's talking about him today. If if and, I if I was ever to become a writer, I won't. But if I w- was ever to become a writer, this would probably be a character I would probably be too intimidated to use. He's right, easily yeah. because it's just there. It, there's just so much to him, and there's just so much you have to do and in plus order. Plus, I'd to, be afraid of messing it up. Right. Exactly. I, I think exactly. I, I think that it, I would don't think I'd ever use the Joker because I think I would just be too intimidated by it. He's easily. Top five for DC villains and top ten for all the companies, it's, it's if like, not in their top five. I want five. you guys to think it, about it'd be something. Like, it'd be like well. Doom. I, I don't think I could ever use Doctor Doom. I think I'd just be too intimidated. By right. Him. And 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 this is that this this is a, a true testament to the credibility of how great the Joker is. Rachel Ghoul knows who Batman is, but a lot of people think that the Joker is far more dangerous than Rachel Ghoul is. I would say yes because. You don't know what he's going to do. Because you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, Ghoul is – I mean, he's he's a lot more orderly and more oh, yeah. than, than what the Joker is. The Joker – he And he has a right. plan. He the has a Joker plan. Joker is reckless abandon. He is right. – there is nothing worse than a homicidal maniac with no plan. Well, and remember, too, there's always the argument that the Joker has known for years who Batman is. Mm-hmm. But revealing that takes away the fun. Um there's, yeah, he doesn't care about Bruce Wayne. He it, cares about Batman. Well, right? there's there's even been the whole link that there's a love-hate relationship. Joker loves Batman, but not in the whole, you know, wants to be with him, much as I he completes me. He's why I do what well, I do. Well, exactly. In, in, in The Dark Knight Returns, he's catatonic in, in Arkham Asylum until Batman comes back. Exactly. And also, Heath Ledger does make the references to, like, kill you? I don't want to kill you. I mean, oh. you're completely. You that was such a great line where he says, uh, "says I'm not gonna says yeah. you're not gonna kill me because that's not what you do, and I'm not gonna kill you because you're just too much fun." And then he goes, "I have a feeling we're gonna be doing this a long, long time. time." And you're just like, "Damn!" That was, uh, that was towards the end of the movie when he's yeah. talking about um, this is what must be what uh, an unstoppable force meeting an immovable right. object, which is exactly the writing uh, dynamic between those two characters. Yeah. It's about David S. Let's give it up for him. People can say what they want about David S. Goyer. But he nailed it. His writing was what was 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 a big fuel to the fire, so to speak, for the Dark Knight trilogy. And may I add, folks, before we before we sign off, Joker's big been been, been big in animation. As Randy has mentioned, he was Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself. For those of you who don't know, has been the Joker for the past twenty seven years. But also prior to that, Larry Storch was the first act from F Troop was the first actor to voice the Joker in the um, the Adventures of Batman and Robin uh, filmation cartoon series. Oh, right. Wow. And uh, Frank Welker went on to do it on the Super Friends. And Lenny Weinrib was the voice of Batman on the New Adventures of Batman from 77. Wow. So, yeah, looking forward to next week's movie. That's 
Let's hope it's not too bad. Um, so that is all the time we have for this week. Make sure you check out Mad Men Show, Shock Monkey Radio, every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. Um, we also have our companions, um, comicsonline.com podcast, Mondays at 9.30 to 10.30. Um, Enos, shameless plug time, mentioned our three uh, Facebook pages. Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, The Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and Gather Together, The World's Greatest Superhero Team. Absolutely. Look at you. Got that down pat because you own the pages, right? <laughs> um, yeah, look at him remembering stuff that he owns. A, reach out to us at lostandlongbox at gmo.com. We also have lostandlongbox, um, patreon.com slash lostandlongbox. Um, love to hear from you. We have a Facebook page. And also, like, share, subscribe, share the channel out there, share the, the videos. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good and night. Have everybody. a good night, folks. <laughs> Dude, okay. Wow. <laughs>